Welcome to the Surviving Second Gen Podcast, where we candidly discuss the mental health impacts of being a second generation immigrant in America. I'm your host, Jennifer Ippolit, a Haitian American child of two immigrant parents, as well as a licensed mental health counselor. My hope is that this podcast leaves you feeling heard, understood, and empowered to apply tangible takeaways that can help you navigate all the things that come with being second gen. All right, welcome to episode one of the Surviving Second Gen podcast. I'm so excited. I'm your host, Jennifer Ippolit, licensed mental health counselor, ready to get into this conversation. I'm just excited this this is happening. Like, this is something that I have been working on in my mind, (laughs) just not actually putting it out there. I mean, conversations definitely have sparked uh, this idea and wanting to really put it into podcast form, but I'm just really happy to actually be putting it into podcast form today and for times to come because this is just episode one. So I'm just really, really excited that this is happening and I'm, I'm, I'm in this space. So, um, I just want to thank you wherever you are that you're listening to this. Thank you so much for just tuning in to this very first episode um, because there's more episodes to come. There's so much to discuss and unpack, and this is the space that we're going to do it in. We're going to do it together. So, yeah, thank you for tuning in. But I want to get right into it. Let's get into the first episode. So in today's episode, I want to talk about really defining what it means to be a second generation immigrant. Uh, So there's so many different uh, variations of what this title or what this this word means. And I want to be clear about it because this is what the premise of the show is about, right? So I want to make sure that the definition that we use is consistent throughout this episode and the episodes to come. So that's first, I want to define what it means for me and what it, what it means in the cultures that I am navigating and that a lot of second generation immigrants are navigating. So what that definition means for the American culture and what it also means for the culture that you are ethnic and ethnically from. So that's what I want to define And then also in this episode, I really want to talk about what that means for you, right? So what do you do with um, these definitions that you are receiving, this messaging that you are receiving about being a second generation American and what you can do with it? So that's what we're going to dive into in this episode. So first, I want to define what second generation immigrant means for me. Um, so how we're using it in this podcast. So for me, a second generation immigrant is a person that was born in the States. So born in the U S and their parents or one of their parents, uh, was born outside of the United States. So they are foreign born. 
So that's my definition of second generation immigrant that I use. Um, But it's interesting in my research, I've seen some other variations of that. Um, I mean, first generation American is also a title or definition that I use to describe myself as well, you know, um, being that I am the first in my family to be a U.S. citizen, right, born on U.S. soil versus my parents, um, who both of them were born in Haiti, right? So they're first generation immigrants and me being their child makes me a second generation immigrant and me being the first to be born in America makes me a first generation American. Simple, right? Well, not that simple for some. Um, and, and honestly, you know, I really didn't dive into these definitions until maybe like I was like 20. <laughs> I kind of like knew exactly, oh, first generation, second generation. That's how that works. Okay. Like that's when I really like settled in it. So no shade for those who don't know exactly how that setup is. But I've seen also in doing some research that some people kind of switch up the definitions. And I think that's as of, I don't know, more recently where they call the parents who were born in another country first generation American and then the child of those parents are second generation Americans and I think that's interesting also confusing (laughs) because I don't know like I think it's pretty straightforward being that I was the first to be a U.S. citizen that I am the first generation American right Like, I think being a U.S. citizen is different than being a naturalized citizen. Like, when you are an immigrant, you have the opportunity, some, to go through this long process of being a naturalized citizen. And I think saying uh, that that person is a first-generation American, it does a couple of things. I think it takes away the really difficult, tedious process of being a naturalized citizen. And I think for some, there's a lot of, what's the word I'm looking for? It, the Again, the trouble that you go through to do that, just so you can be legal. Um, I don't know that the person, I don't know, everybody's different, right? Um, I don't know that the first generation American is specifically the title that one may be looking for. I don't know. But, um, also with the child of an immigrant, I think it takes away from what naturally is, right? Like I can't change the fact that I was born on U.S. soil, like, I I just, I am the first person that was born on this soil in my lineage, right? So I think that naturally that just stands to me um, as what is, you know, (laughs) that is what it is. So yeah, I think that's a little bit confusing to do it that way. So hence why I like to stick to the definition that I mentioned earlier, 
of being a second generation immigrant when one or two of your parents are of foreign descent. So yeah, but I've also seen a variation recently that is super new to me, not something that I um, hear in conversation is 1.5 or one and a half generation um, immigrant. So basically that's someone who was born in another country but came here in their early teens. So that's a little bit different. Um, and I that would describe individuals like my um, siblings, for example, because they were born in Haiti and came here in their early teens. So they could identify as one and a half generation um, immigrant, which um, that uh, alienation using that is, I think, I think using that variation is an important one. I know based on the experiences that I've had personally in my household versus other um, immigrant families that I've seen, there's definitely a difference in individuals that have immigrated to the country in their adult age versus those who came in their teen years versus those who came in um, childhood. Like there's differences in that. There's differences in their experiences in the American culture. There's differences in how they relate to their native culture. So I think that designation is in an interesting one. I think it's something that we can definitely, you know, talk about more because that in itself changes, you know, what uh, experiences are for different in individuals who consider themselves immigrants. So yeah, um, that's another variation. So I think all these variations definitely, um, can help guide, you know, um, how that person has dealt with a second de generation immigrant experience. I mean, even when you think about, uh, children of immigrants who have two foreign-born parent versus one foreign-born parent, right? So, you know, me, for example, both of my parents are from Haiti, but there are some people who one of their parents is born from, was, was born in another country, and one of their parents is American. So their experience is going to look different than mine, um, you know, because there's some some, I guess, headway they have in knowing the American experience, the American experience or being used to that culture or being that being a part of their household that I and other people may not get, right? That's not always the case, but that could very well be the case for some individuals. Um, and then, you know, even going another layer into this, which this is a different conversation, but, you know, um, whether or not that parent that's foreign born is the mom or the dad also has a level of um, importance because usually a lot of time the mom's culture really dominates how the household is run, right? So if it's the, the mom that is a foreigner versus the dad, that experience may look very well like a person who has parents, both parents from a foreign background, you know? So 
the the nuances are, of it uh, are interesting to me, right? And then when you think about also um, individuals who have two foreign-born parents, but each parent is from a different country, like, whoo, like so many cultures and things to navigate there, right? Like, you know, I, and I think about like cultures who are more dominant. Um, I don't know if that's the word to use, but just cultures that have a lot of richness. Yeah, maybe richness is a better word to describe it, like very rich in their traditions and ideas and beliefs and customs when those kind of cultures come together like the Haitian culture for example is a very rich culture there's so many um you know beliefs and customs and traditions that are a part of the culture that makes it just a very strong culture and when you combine that for example I don't know with like the Nigerian culture. That's another very rich culture, right? And imagine having those two rich cultures in a household, right? And this um, child of immigrants is having to navigate those two cultures as well as the American culture. Like, wow, you know, what, what a combination of things to work through as an individual, identities to traverse as an individual, so those are the things that, you know, I think about when I think about second generation immigrant experiences, the variations that come from that and um, how it can look different for each of these variations. And then when I think about like an individual who has two foreign born parents, I think about language like, you know, uh, if both of those cultures have different languages that's another layer of navigating the culture because language is a big piece of a person's culture right so um if they have to learn that language um use that language in the household or with family members man you know just being bilingual is enough (laughs) you know so um, having to navigate three or four maybe languages because some 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 countries have you know several languages that are part of their um, their heritage. So yeah, you know, and that brings me to um, my other point that I wanted to touch on in this episode is really you know the the culture or background that you're from. Uh, how they see you and define your second generation immigrant status, right? So like what they use to define that about you. And I think that language is one of them, like a big one. Because when I think about Haitian culture, man, growing up Haitian, if you did not know how to speak Creole and your, your, your relatives knew, they would be like, oh, right or how come you don't know how to speak creole and it was just like shade because it was just like how are you you know haitian because they feel like and that's another thing that they used to they feel like you're very much haitian right if both of your parents are haitian you know both of them are foreign born then that's what you are so for them it's like how are you 
this ethnicity and you don't know the language. And I feel like that that is true for a lot of other cultures too, where if that language piece is missing, there's almost a, a separation there. There's a way that they separate you from the culture because you don't have that. Um, and I, I mean, I just want to say kudos to my parents and my siblings too for really, um, that wasn't something that was an issue for me. Like, um, you know, I'm fluent in Creole and that's because, you know, I grew up in a household where that's all we spoke. So when I was at home, my parents only spoke to me in Creole. Um, it was when I, you know, left the house that I turned on the English, but at home I only spoke to them in Creole. So, um, that just allowed me to, um, naturally build my fluency in that language. Um, but for me, I really am appreciative, appreciative of that because I feel like that's what helped me connect to my parents in ways that some other people may not have been able to, um, and also other relatives that for me, you know, being able to speak that language, um, spoke a lot to our ability to connect. So I'm really, really thankful for that. Yeah. I think language is definitely one big piece that people can use the people of your native country that they can use to really determine how, Haitian or Jamaican or Guyanese you are if you don't know the language or the dialect. Um, And there are other ways too. I mean, you know, sometimes if you haven't visited the country, right, if you are from a particular foreign country and you've never been, they kind of look at you sideways and say, well, how come you haven't been to this country? Like, what's going on? This is your country of origin or this is where your parents are from. And um, honestly, with the language piece and the visiting the country piece, I don't think it's fair to blame the child, right? You can't blame the child for the experiences that the parents did not give them. But I see it happen a lot, you know, like I've seen people, you know, again, kind of put the child down for not being able to know these things or experience these things. Um, and, 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 and I don't think it's fair because there are different reasons that go into that. You know, there are some parents who literally don't, they didn't learn the language. The, the grandmother may be the person that holds the, the key to the language, right? The parents may not know the language and they can't even pass it on if they wanted to. So, you know, why put that on the child? I think there are things as an adult, like, and we could talk about that a little bit later in the episode that you can do with those things. But as a child, there's really not much the child can control in terms of what they are able to experience, right? Um, but I think that's something that, you know, again, the 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 ethnic background that you're from, the people from that country can sometimes use against you to make you feel like you're not X country enough. Um, And I think that a lot of times they'll use that as a way to separate you and make you feel like, ah, you're just American. That's why you don't know these things. You're just American. Like basically using you being an American as an insult. And I think that's where the identity 
and mental health issues can kick in, right? Because you are being told from one culture, you're not this enough. And then another culture, which could be the American culture telling you, why are you like this? Like, why are you doing things this way? Not understanding how your household is and what you're being told and the messages that you're given in your household, right? Because I think about my household, for example, like I was raised Haitian. (laughs) And for some people that may be like, what do you mean? Like, I was raised in America, but I was raised Haitian. I did not, I was not raised with American values and ideas and beliefs. I was raised Haitian. Going back to the Creole piece, right? In my household, we spoke Creole. Food piece, which is a huge part of a lot of different cultures. My mom only cooked Haitian food. (laughs) Like, that's what we ate. We didn't go out to eat. And, you know, like at this moment in time, as I'm doing this podcast, I would love me a good plate plate of Haitian food. But anyways, um, I but growing up, I was just like, enough. Can we go out to eat? But that was just not an option. Like we could not go out to eat. That was not a thing that we did outside of the financial piece. But just culturally, that's not something you do. Like you cook fresh food very often. And that's what my mom did. She cooked only Haitian food, right? So when I say, like, I grew up Haitian, I grew up Haitian. So it's like being born in this country is something that I could not control. But having to navigate being Haitian in my household, right? But going outside into American society and having to navigate the ideals of an American society, that's where the cultural peace, that's where the identity crisis comes in, right? And when you think about all the identity uh, phases that a child has to go through, when you add that cultural piece on top of it, man, that's a lot to navigate. And it really didn't hit me that it was uh, I mean, I knew when I when it was happening, I I felt the battle and I knew that it was difficult, but I didn't understand what I was going through. I was just like, I'm expected to do this at home, but then when I go outside, I'm expected to do that or people question this or that. And it was just like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing, you know? But there's no blueprint. You're not given a blueprint on how to navigate these things, especially when you are the first generation doing it, if you are first generation American, you're trying to figure out how do I be American? <laughs> what What is American? Because I'm being told I'm Haitian. And I know I'm Haitian, right? That's what runs through my blood. That's what I am. But at the same time, I'm in a society where I'm not Haitian. <laughs> so there's so many nuances to navigating that And so much that impacts your mental health when you are navigating those things. But that brings me back to um, the last point that I want to talk about is really what do you do with these messages that you receive, you know, about your identity and how you're supposed to show up 
in these cultural spaces because again as a child there's a lot that you can't control this is some of it is really just out of your hands you're just taking what you can get but when you get to be an adult there's a lot more in your control there's a lot more that you can do to make that identity yours and make it um, make sense for you and that's really the goal of having these conversations is to really look back into the messages that you have received and think about it now as an adult what those messages mean to you and what you want to do with them because there are some things that uh, messages that you receive or things that you are told from the culture where your parents are from that I think have value right I mean You know, as I was saying before, sometimes they use it as a put down, like, oh, how come you don't know this? Um, And you may get triggered by that. And I want um, you to really process, you know, why you are triggered by that, right? So if they tell you, you know, how come you don't know the language, like what's going on with that? And you feel some type of way about it. Why do you feel some type of way? You know, because there there may be, I, I do feel like there is some validity or not validity but there is um something to take from them saying those things right because they are the people of the country they are the people of that culture so there are things for them that resonate and makes them feel like this is what makes them them right so i think there's value in taking that and um understanding what that means for you Because, for example, like if you do have a parent who doesn't speak the language, right, but you have a grandmother who only speaks the language of your culture, there's so much power you have in learning the language to connect with your grandmother or relatives back home. I know for me specifically, that's another layer of learning the language. Like when I have visited Haiti, like my cousins are always like oh my gosh like you speak creole so well how did you do that like how did you you know learn it and it's just like i appreciate that because i feel good because i'm like okay like you know yeah you know like it feels good to 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 hear that but also it feels good to know that i can connect with them because i do have the language right like i can go into that country and catch up with them even though I haven't seen them for years but we can connect because that language piece is there so I think that's how you take that criticism I guess and use it for you to figure out you know is there something that you can do to really make it uh make sense for you or you want your identity um to look for you Um, you know, even with like visiting, you know, the country that your parents are from, you may have not been able to do that as a child, but do you have the opportunity as an adult to go at least once and see what the country's about and connect with people? Will that make you feel more connected to the country? If it does, why not? Right? Why not make that trip and allow yourself to be exposed to the culture in a way that you may not have been exposed to it growing up so I think those are the things that you can decide for yourself really is the piece that helps you connect to your culture 
that makes sense for you, that that makes it really salient in your life, that speaks to your soul. Because as we talked about already, and we will talk about in other episodes, there's a lot of mental health impacts that come with trying to navigate two or more cultures at the same time in adolescence. And it's really, it's when you take a look back at it, you can decide, it's when you take a look back at it, you can really think about and process how that's affected you and that it, how, how that's affected you in the past and currently affects you in your adulthood, but also decide how you want that to look for you in the future, right? So there's opportunity to look forward to think about, well, based on what I was given, there's only so much I could have done, right? But now with the resources that I have, because there's so many more resources now, you can decide how you want that identity to look for you in the future. So if it's language, if it's cooking a certain type of meal, if it's visiting your home country, whatever it is that resonates with you, you can tap into that and make your culture cultural identity make sense for you. So this is what Surviving Second Gen podcast is about. It's about understanding how culture and navigating the cultures of your family have impacted you, but how you can make new experiences for yourself that resonate with who you are today. Because there is that opportunity for growth in a way that really sits well with you that really makes sense for you not based on what other people are telling you or the messages messaging that you're receiving but based on your personal idea of growth and how you want that to look to impact your mental health positively so thank you all for listening to the very first episode of the surviving second gen podcast we have so much more to talk about but this is just a little bit this is this is just a little taste of the things that I really want people to process and really be able to bring to the forefront so we can have honest conversations about these and get to a place where we feel good in navigating any space that we go to because we feel good in who we are and how we identify. So thank you again for tuning into this episode. We will see you in the next one. If you found today's episode valuable or this podcast as a whole, I invite you to leave a five-star review and also leave a comment letting others know what you gain from this episode. This allows for our podcast to gain more visibility and for it to reach the people that want to hear this information. Also, we invite you to engage in the comments on the YouTube page, Surviving Second Gen Podcast, so we can continue this rich conversation that we're having today.